Welcome to CoreCentric Conversations, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of CoreCentric Conversations on the importance of embracing digital payments. I'm Kelly Barner, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brent Kinman, Senior Vice President for North America at CoreCentric. Brent is a dynamic business leader with an established track record of building and leading high-performance teams that successfully achieve key company objectives. His mission at CoreCentric is to provide customers with leading software, advisory services, and payments that empower them to reduce their costs and improve their working capital so that they can compete more effectively. Prior to joining CoreCentric, Brent spent 18 years at SAP and was also a consultant for Arthur Anderson. So hi, Brent, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Kelly. So I have a feeling that, as is true in so many other digitalization projects, that there are digital payments and then there are digital payments. How would you describe a really and truly digitized payment process? Yeah, it's a great question, and I would say that the misnomer here in labeling any one given payment as digital, uh, most people primarily mean is electronic, and that's where the key difference uh, begins and ends. Whereas an electronic payment, and I'm going to stick primarily to a U.S.-based North American audience, uh, is made most of the time through NACHA and ACH. Ironically, a system that was never designed to handle B2B payments. It was actually a direct deposit form of payment whereby the federal government could pay employees in the 1960s. And so little attention was was paid at the time to communicate information along with that payment. Funny little tidbit of history here, the NACHA standard for an ACH payment has a remittance line. For those of you who don't know what remittance is, it's really just the information about a payment. It's 80 characters wide. Not a whole lot of information you can communicate via that mechanism. And the the punchline of the story is the reason it's 80 characters is because that was the width of an IBM punch card in 1968. So let, let us get to payments digitization. It is not only the physical, if you will, flow of funds, but it's also the communication of information, data, up to and including for a proper digital payment, a mechanism must exist that the information about the payment can be auto-read or machine-readable by the recipient so that no manual data entry has to occur and no more asking the question of where the payment is and what it is for. It's really machine-to-machine. And so therein lies the difference when when you ask there's digital payments or is there digital payments, true digital payments involve that information flow as much as the flow of funds themselves. Now, speaking of data, let me offer you a data point and then get your reaction. The news and analysis site payments.com recently ran a survey of 400 CFOs And 71% of them have increased their use of digital payments since the start of the pandemic. Now that, fingers crossed, the pandemic is hopefully coming to an end, why should finance departments or organizations that have not yet digitized their payments beyond the 1960s go ahead and do so? 
The pandemic revealed something that I don't know that is widespread known in the U.S. economy in particular. Even to this day, 40% of B2B payments are on paper check. And so as you see a broader scale movement of digitization and the digital enterprise, that secular trend started before COVID and is steadily marching along on its own irrespective of that, of that secular force. But COVID in particular, just to point to it, revealed a, a weakness in, in many organizations where they couldn't have physical contact with the check stock and the printing. I can't tell you the number of companies I talked to where someone in disbursements or AP actually took the check printing machine home oh and would put it in a basement and we're doing check runs. The COVID event really accelerated the need literally to take it out of the physical realm and just put it into the electronic realm. And so with that kicking us off, there's really, I'd say two primary reasons why companies continue and it's probably accelerating to digitize payments. One is just security. Um, 90% of B2B payment fraud is in the realm of check. I like to tell my clients this story. I will, I will, I will tell you the story uh, thusly. Uh, which is the newer invention? The modern check or sliced bread? Oh, this is scary. I have a bad feeling that sliced bread is newer than... The modern check with routing number and account number is a 19th century convention, if you will, as, as we see the modern check today. Yeah, 19th century led the way with that extraordinary innovation. Uh, sliced bread came in the 1920s. So it, I think many companies are just, you know, coming to the awakening that why are we gonna spend time, treasure, and toil digitizing our entire operations through, and, and in my, our realm here at CoreCentric, right? Source to pay all the way through payments. They're, they're gonna digitize that entire process and then literally go back to a convention of the 19th century to affect the most important part of the process, which is financial settlement. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you're seeing a lot of, of security and business continuity impulses in the economy that, that are continuing to drive it past, past COVID. But it also, once you can you know, digitize your payments, what actually occurs is yet another opportunity. And that is to time payment and the backbone of all working capital programs and driving free cash flow, start with the ability to pay on a day of your choosing with full transparency. And so the, the, the check just won't cut it. Um, there's too much uncertainty as to when financial settlement will occur. And so trading partners will not do value exchanges on timing of payment unless a, an electronic and a digital payment exists in the first place. So security and working capital, I think, are continuing the trend beyond this uh, secular COVID event that we've, we've endured. Well, and it's interesting, especially where you talk about the timing of payments, because you can create that capability, but being able to leverage it for the type of working capital impact you're trying to have does require a certain amount of sophistication. And so maybe an indication of that is another of the findings from the payments.com report, 
which shows that payments digitization has been a higher priority in some industries than others. So financial services, insurance, and healthcare are three examples of industries that are leading the way. Do you think part of the reason for that is their relative sophistication um, in terms of being able to leverage the additional opportunities opened through digital payments? Um, and why should other industries consider doing this as well, even if they're not currently at that level of maturity? In the case of financial services and insurance, I think it is so close to home for them that they must set the example for their industry and their clients. Um, I mean, both insurance and, and financial services, you know, at the end of the day, involve some sort of banking and investment. And so per perhaps... Uh, just because it is so close to home for them that they've really focused on cleaning up the payment execution end of, of payments digitization. For healthcare, I really think it's, it's stress on balance sheets that, and again, as we talked about uh, payments digitization, you can't run a proper working capital program if you can't pay on a day and time of your choosing and build visibility and trust between trading partners to actually pull it off in the first place. So I believe that healthcare is leading the way out of necessity. COVID and, and an astonishing, I mean, at least on the surface of it, right? Lots of healthcare providers um, really got stressed in terms of revenue because so many things, elective surgeries and, and, and other types of procedures had to be put on the back burner just for this acute care type of, of scenario that kept coming through the door. And so they lost revenue. And so they're looking for ways to drive free cash flow that is seized up in inefficient operations. So to push that forward, they have recognized, yeah, if we want to set up an early payment program for our suppliers and get high yield risk-free returns on our short-term cash, or we want to extend terms out into the future, but yet give suppliers um, a form of financing that that supplier could not achieve themselves, um, it, it's really born of necessity in that last industry. Typically, um, industries that have more distressed balance sheets uh, tend to lead the way. Maybe not so much for, for payments digitization, other than the fact it is a prerequisite to achieve a larger end. Uh, and I can certainly appreciate that. I sort of grew up in retail procurement. Right, and the expression was always, keep an eye on the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Um, but the other thing I think that's so interesting about what you just shared is I think the benefit of all of this is very clear to the CFO, it's very clear to AP, but we talked about that source to pay continuum. And when you talk about building trust with suppliers and trading partners, that's when I think, ah, there's the value proposition for the people that are working earlier in the process. We do need to care as sourcing and procurement professionals about how that payment process ends up working, how much transparency there is, how quick or frictionless it is from the supplier's perspective, because that does impact our relationships with them long term, doesn't it? It, it certainly does. And the smaller, the smaller or less capitalized um, a supplier is, the more mission critical it becomes. And so it's that that notion of trust that we mentioned, how does that trust get built? Well, it gets built by honoring your payment term to begin with, with these working capital programs. But just, let's just imagine for a moment, right? You're a supplier who is 
is, is running short in any one given month or, or period. And so you elect to give an early payment discount in return for earlier payment. You have to trust that process because you may have to make payroll. And so you're kind of betting the company that, uh, you know, your buyer will come through for you. So, um, yes, uh, I would submit um, maybe a little sheepishly, right, that the most important part of a transaction is financial settlement. So why would we not digitize that element um, maybe even before the rest? Just to put it full circle. Absolutely. Well, Brett, this has been an incredibly illuminating conversation. I Hopefully, we all have permission to steal your sliced bread example. Um, that could be sort of like the free gift takeaway. Um, but thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you as well to everyone who listened in today. Tune in to our next Core-Centric Conversation as we dig, continue to dig into the challenges and opportunities associated with embracing digital payments and other topics of great importance to source-to-pay professionals. Until next time. Thanks for joining this Core-Centric Conversation, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. We hope you found our discussion useful. With each episode, it's our goal to give you insight on how to lead change your organisation. Get started by visiting us at corecentric.com. That's C-O-R-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot com.